Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging F1 podcast. It's the US Grand Prix preview and we'll be reacting to a few bits and pieces of news that have come out over the last two weeks. And to join me, Adam Dickinson, in that reaction and previewing and predicting is Nigel Chu and from beyond the podcast, Freddie Coates, but we'll get on to him later. For now, Nigel, how are you? I'm very well. I'm doing lots of snooker this week for Eurosport, so... Oh, I thought you Life could have been better. Oh, no, I'm not playing. Oh, no, if I was playing, I wouldn't be. I, I would be in Northern Ireland, but I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not. But there's, there's other players playing, not me. <laughs> so, to, be yeah. fair, to be fair, you could be in Northern Ireland and you've just taken all your posters with you. <laughs> on the wall behind you and <laughs> done the yeah, same true. effect. Could be in a different room each time. Yeah, yeah, that's, good. This is, that's, oh, that's, a, that's, that's an idea for for the future. Yeah, how do you Yeah, actually, yeah, but yeah, I'm not playing. Me. I literally yeah, need to take my bed, the built in wardrobe, all of my posters, <laughs> the door. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say something out there. I can't, I was gonna say some things that I probably shouldn't say, but yeah. <laughs> I'm worried. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, What's slightly covered? <laughs> no. I say it's open. That's a, that's why I keep it open. <laughs> I've got to, yeah. Probably should have uh, probably should clear this before I do the podcast. But hey ho, it's the joy of not even lockdown anymore. It's the joy of starting a podcast in lockdown and never changing it until well, we probably never will change it. But um, hey ho. There's two yeah, of us, that's a change. You're, you're in a different uh, place as well. But yeah, yes, it's two of us, that is a change. This is, we must have probably done about 40 of these would have been two of us. No, not 40, 30. 30? Between us two specifically, or like two What has been two podcasts. people? Yeah. Yeah, there are a fair few that I can do in while I was in the States, but... Uh, Slacking. <laughs> Fantastic. So on that note, <laughs> we'll move on to the two pieces of driver news that came out in Suzuka, but we had quite a lot to talk about after the Japanese Grand Prix. And if you've not heard that podcast or you just want to hear it again, then that's still out there. So go and check that out after this one. But Nigel, stop shaking your head. Um, <laughs> those two pieces of news are Gasly moving to Alpine which was predicted by some people, predicted by me two years ago and last year, but not this year. And I Nick predicted Debris, it in 1995, mate. You weren't alive then. Only Freddie was alive then. And uh, Nick DeVries going to Alpha Tauri. So which one of those do you want to attack? Uh, that's a question I wasn't expecting. Let's go with the first one. <laughs> I thought we planned it for a reason. Uh, I will attack it now, Adam, as you move your hands. Uh, so, Nick DeVries, no, uh, Pierre Gasly. Uh, yeah, we all expected it. I think, given the situation Alpine found themselves in, which they made a massive haul by not signing Alonso, uh, not getting making sure Piazzi was signed up to them, they got the best of a bad situation. Looking at all the drivers as they could realistically get, Gasly was the best choice. Now, we know about his relationship with uh, Pierre Gasly. They didn't get get on very well in their casting in junior days, but they are older now, so I'd hope they have matured uh, and that they can get on on all French uh, driver lineup at a French team, so that's always something I think Alpine have kind of 
always wanted in a way. Now they've got that. Uh, so it'll just be interesting to see how the team dynamic gets on. And I do feel, even though they will have matured, there could still be a few incidents, let's say, like we saw between Esteban Ocon and Sergio Perez in 2017-2018 at Force India slash Racing Point. So I feel it could be very similar to that kind of relationship. Uh, obviously, it depends how good the car is next year, but if if it's similar to the performance they have this year, they should be you know, punching right up there, I think. But the problem for me is, if Alpine do want to win world championships, if they want to win races, this driver lineup is not good enough. It doesn't have that superstar quality. The two very, very good drivers, you know, the solid drivers in that second second or third tier, depending on how many tiers of F1 drivers you think there are on the current grid. But there's still five or six drivers who are better than them. And that is always going to hold them back, I think, if they do get into a winning position, which hopefully that does happen, uh, so we can have a more competitive field. But so I think for right now, yeah, they've done the best they can. Uh, it's not going to win them races and world championships, I think, if they if they have the car. It's uh, one of three driver lineups on the grid that both drivers have won an F1 race. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. Not, not maybe, maybe in a repeatable way, though, I think is the, is the crucial yeah. stipulation to that. Yeah, I'm, I think it was the right time to get out of Alpha Tauri. I mean, yeah. I mean we, we, we've said this before that, you know, it's not that if, if you're Pierre Gasly, then you should always be looking over your shoulder at Alpha Tauri because you're not, you're not the future there and it is a future facing team so i think it's the right decision from his point of view i don't feel like alpha tari lose that much from their perspective they bring they bring someone in um in nick de Vries who has the potential to you know further that team and could be i think reasonably could be as good as pierre gasly or better than pierre gasly has been for that team even though pierre gasly was very good for that team and i think he was i think we put him around a top five driver last year um, yeah. or the season before so again I think it's just a concern that Ocon's not had the best relationship with teammates you mentioned Perez there's been flashpoints with Alonso um, while they've been together Hungary this year springs to mind and really the only partnership that I don't remember there being a flare-up was with Ricardo. Um, so it's I don't know. It kind of it feels like something that could go south, even without their um, kind of shared history that they're both trying to play down now. But is is there? And the fact that they carried it all the way through to from karting to F1 in the first place was, um, you know, kind of shows it's a bit more serious than your average tiff. So, yeah, um, I think for Alpine, I agree with you that it's the best thing they could have got. It's better than Ricardo. It's better than Schumacher. The only one that kind of come close is De Vries, but I think for what Gasly's shown, then it's better better than what they could have got from him. So, yeah, it's um, I think it's a good decision all round, but it's not kind of is not a completely safe bet. I think there's still yeah. um, potential problems. It's it's a huge step down from Alonso. It is well, not it's quite a big step, you know, a significant step down. But you're absolutely right. I think from Gasly's point of view, it's the right decision to make because Alpha Tauri. Definitely 
not going to be getting any further up than top five in the Constructors' Championship. They're always going to be in that bottom half, let's say. Was Alpine being a manufacturer, they've got a bit of money on the side. Uh, it's the only uh, Alpine... The only, there's only one Alpine slash Renault engine as well, so if they can get that working and somehow... Uh, if that can perform well when it's not breaking down, there's always that slight chance. I mean, obviously, it, it doesn't look very promising right now, but for them to be have the, consistently the fourth fastest car for most of the races this year, that is promising, especially because the winter, or last winter, they, things were not looking good for them. They were very pessimistic about this season. So uh, I think there are there's, there's optimism, and they're still bringing upgrades most races as well, so that's good to see. It is just... Uh, I don't know. For, for, for Gasly, I feel like this could be as good as it gets for him. It, like, yeah. is, is he going to win any more races? Is he going to get any more podiums? And the same with Ocon. I'm not, I'm not too sure right now. I think... I think it was one of those that, like, if you are a midfield driver in F1 for... I don't know, like, if you say they're five seasons, like, if you're at a midfield top five, top six team in F1 for five seasons, like, I'd expect you to get more podiums just kind of by default, really, like, but, um, yeah, I, I agree that it's not, with Gasly, there's never been, after it didn't go well at Rebel, there's never been that, like, jump to Ferrari, Mercedes, or a return to Rebel on the cards. Like, it's just, this is, I think, like you say, this is the best that he can get, is the best of the rest team, and then hoping that they can jump further. But it's also on, like, you know, how many drivers have gone to gone to Renault or Alpine with the, um, you know, just based off the, well, it's a big team, it's backed by a constructor, can you know, maybe they can do something and get up there. Like, you know, we've had have Ricardo go and they didn't take that. They took a step forward, but they didn't take the step forward that he would have wanted. They've had Alonso go there and they've, you know, not been anywhere close to winning races apart from a crazy weekend in Hungary. And now Gasly's going there. Um, if it is on that same thing of, well, maybe they can do it, then it's, you know, he's just the last in a long line of people to do that. I don't, I wouldn't put too much kind of stock in that if I was him. Yeah, I, I think I think that's just the nature of F F one really. Yeah, it's it's always going to be difficult now for a midfield team, or to get huge pecking order changes year on year like we saw 15, 20 years ago. Let's say, like, well, not 20, 15 years ago when McLaren, Ferrari, Renault, Braun, then Mercedes, Red Bull, they all had their fair share towards the top of the grid. It's very difficult Salva. for that to happen now. Yeah, exactly, Salba. Yeah, that's a great example. So it it's just the nature of F one. Uh, it's yeah, it's out of everyone's hands. Well, not everyone. It's out of the driver's hands, certainly. Uh, yeah, it's just the best for Al- It's the best for Alpine that in the situation they were in. It's the best for Gasly with the situation that he was in. Do you think Gasly needed to get out of AlphaTauri? Yeah, I think so. I, I think he can- AlphaTauri and Troy Rosso back when it was called that. It's a team you can't really spend multiple seasons at or three, four seasons at because you're never going to go forward. They're never going to get the same backing as Red Bull. Uh, you're almost, by being at Alpha Tauri, you're almost saying, I will not 
become kind of in that elite kind of category. Whereas no matter how well you do, just like Gasly last year, no matter how well you do, the, the end goal is to get to Red Bull or to move to a bigger or better team. So, uh, yeah, to answer your question. <laughs> yes. Um, well, that brings us on to Freddie's point of view. Freddie can't be with us today because he's working, because he has a job, whereas Nigel works night shifts and I'm a student. Um, <laughs> he did send a lovely little quote for us. So I'll read that out now and then stick a nice photo of Freddie over the top of this and it'll look like, if you're watching on YouTube, it'll look like him saying it. Although now I've just said that and then the illusion's gone. But uh, Gasly needed out. Good for him. Freddie doesn't sound like that. <laughs> I did in the uh, in, before we start, we started recording. And I tried uh, tried channeling Freddie's voice, but I uh, yeah I couldn't nail it. I could do Nigel's um, perfectly. We'll just do it in mine then. Yeah, but put <laughs> 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 a picture of you. Definitely <laughs> needed out. Good for him. It was frosty with top, but he's capable. Hopefully, he can strike up a good relationship in the team, and as that team grows with Ocon, he can slot in alongside. Well, I'd imagine he'd go well there. With De Vries, well, he's very good and deserving of the place. Alfa Tauri is shrewd with him to get into the midfield. I think there are better FE drivers, but if we're legitimately using that talent pool, but we, he will equip himself incredibly well and is an excellent grafter as well as hugely intelligent. Hopefully he doesn't employ some of his very sketchy defensive driving, but I reckon he will. And that's a perfect segue onto Nick De Vries. So that's the second piece of news that broke at Suzuka. Again, yes. Nigel, what are your thoughts? It's... An interesting one because I thought the Vries would never get this chance, but clearly what he did at Monza has earned him this seat. Uh, I mean, he's always said when I spoke to him at the London for me event at the end of July. Just had to get out there. Uh, he said yeah, like he was all <laughs> <laughs> no. When I spoke to him, he said it was uh, out of his hands basically. And that's what it. That's what the That's the situation he's been in for the last three years. He's never. It's all things have always had to happen for him to get that chance in F one. And now this has happened with with first everything happening happening at Alpine, which is like Gasly to join in Alpine. So now that seat has opened up at Alpha Tauri for him, and he did his job. He performed, got points on his first weekend, beat Latifi, and no matter what you think of Latifi, to beat anyone. Uh, who's been in F1 for two or three years? That is an amazing job. So, yeah, just he, I think he deserves it, not just based on that one performance, which was exceptional, but after all, he is an F2 champion. And no matter what you think of the field as well in 2019, it wasn't the, the strongest field. He still beat them all relatively comfortably. And I think anyone who does that deserves a chance. Now, there were kind of, uh, let's say, claims that De Vries is, is a bit of a tyre eater and that, that formerly that wouldn't really suit him but then he went, went and won the World Championship uh, last year not this season, last year uh, it was a bit of a strange championship with the qualifying format that formerly had before this season it just meant that uh, the winner only scored like 99 points from 15 rounds which is ridiculously low, It was just it's just about consistency rather than raw pace and in the latest Formula E season, De Vries was the second best driver to Stoffel Van Dorn, his teammate of Mercedes, who Van Dorn went on to win the championship. So in a way, you're taking the average or maybe just slightly above the average of a Formula E driver, putting him into F1. And then we'll just see how that goes. So I think that 
in itself is really interesting to see what someone who's been in Formula E for a few years, what can they do in F1? And I'm quite confident De Vries will do quite well. I think, if anything, F1 suits him a bit more. I think he's got a bit more of that raw natural talent and ability rather than Formula E, which is a bit more, let's say, technical, I think. So I think F1 will suit him more than Formula E, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it will be interesting to see how De Vries goes coming from Formula E and coming from a up and down junior career as well, where, as you say, it finished very strongly with his win in Formula 2, but it wasn't all smooth sailing up to that point. And I know you're just saying that he's an average Formula E driver because you know no, I don't know I'm, enough about you know I don't know enough about Formula E to disagree. But um, yeah, I I think for Alpha Tari it's probably the best high they could have had. Unless what do you think they should have taken Drogovic? Yeah, I think so. Again, F2 champion, he should go. He should go there. I mean, De Vries should have had his chance two or three years ago. But yeah, I think Drogovic more than deserved. I see an F1. It doesn't look, look. It doesn't look like he will get one unless he. But do you uh, think he deserved it more than De Vries? Yes, yes, I do. I think he's shown a lot more this year as Djokovic compared to De Vries in his 2019 season. Uh, so yes, De Vries has also shown a lot in an F1 car, though. He has, but I think. Uh, if you don't think F- F1 success is indicative of future F1 success, F1 success, wait, what? Mm. So say that again. I don't think F1 success is indicative of future yeah, it's a, it's F1 a throw, success. throwback to the Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg conversation. You don't think we should be basing past F1 results on or basing hires when Drugovic is involved based off what other people have done in an F1 car? Uh, I'm not sure how to respond. <laughs> I'm confused. You've got, you know I easily get confused, Adam. When you're doing it live on the podcast now, so the whole world can see how my brain is ticking over trying to... In two minutes, I'll, I'll understand what you get. I just need two minutes to figure out what you're saying. <laughs> so, basically, I'll, I'll help you along because we don't have two minutes to just sit here doing nothing. Um, so, does the fact that De Vries has shown that he can perform in F1 in pretty difficult circumstances when he came in in Monza does that not like elevate him in how much he deserves yes it does but they should both get F1 seats but which one deserves it more I think Drogovic deserves it more but they should both get seats so is that based off one season Drogovic uh, no it's based on his based on his career so far But you said when you when I first asked, you said like based off how well he'd done this season, then he deserves the seat more than Debris. Yeah, because he got to take the latest season as I guess a big factor, not the factor, but a big factor. And for someone who's cruised his way to the F2 championship, beaten some very, very good drivers as well, easily. I think he has to get a seat in F1. I feel for for um to take up Freddie's, what Freddie would usually say, that he doesn't think Porsche is very good. So that would subtract <laughs> from the calibre of driving. Porsche is very, Freddie isn't here to argue the point further. So, um, yeah, he, I... He should be an F1. Yeah. So, like, 
one championship season. Are you saying one championship season from Derice outweigh? Uh, sorry, from Drugovic outweighs Derice's championship season, his Formula E winning season, and the way he performed in an F1 car this season. His Formula E winning championship season wasn't that impressive. I mean, that's the season he won it, 2021. It was just a crazy year. Literally, about ten drivers could have won it that season. He came out on top thanks to being there at the end, having a bit of fortune as well. Uh, but I honestly, I really do think Drogovic is one of them drivers who he, 12 months ago, no one could even think he should even be in F1. But then to produce a season like he has, and I just think he can kick on and be one of them drivers who uh, shocks people, I think. I've, he's, he's definitely changed my opinion of him over the last 12 months, yes, and I, and I and I think he's shown that raw talent, uh, shown maturity as well. And I think those are key factors uh, when you want to be an F1 driver. But that's a the reason is still very, very good as well. I mean, there's not much between them. They should both be in F1. That's, that's what I'm saying. But you're saying Trigger should be in F1 more than... Slight, yeah. If I was choosing who should be in the Alpha Tower seat, Drogovic or Devries, I would choose Drogovic, yes. But Devries should also go somewhere else, yeah. Well, that goes goes back to the problem. That we what, need what, what, what do you forward. think? Um, I think it's a good hire. I think based off, again, Drogovic like, or Devries, if you're Alpha Tower, who are you picking? Devries. Okay. Because I think most importantly, like you want someone who you know can get it done in an F1 car. Like, more important than anything else is what they've done in an F1 car for me. And granted, Djurgovic hasn't had that chance. But, like, if you've seen De Vries, you've seen what he can do, that he can step into a different car than he drove in FP1 and immediately go be fast and score points in his first F1 race, then I think that's... what we can know. Okay. Right. So, so like Antonio Giovinazzi on his F1 debut 2017 Australia, he jumped in and last minute, last minute to replace Pascal Verlaine. It was amazing. I think he was very close or beat his teammate Ericsson, got into Q2, and then he has two crashes in China uh, the next weekend in qualifying and the race, pretty much the same point in the track. And his stock just completely fell and he didn't return to F1 until uh, 2019. Yeah, 2019. So, it could be a very similar situation. Say if De Vries drove in Singapore, for instance, if he has a, a mistake or crash or or doesn't look as good compared to Monza, then people wouldn't be shouting about him as much as he has. So I don't think you can just go off one, literally one weekend of racing. So do we just need to completely write that off? No, I don't think you can write it off. I think it's a fantastic starting point, mm. but you've got to prove yourself again, I think. But how can he do that if he doesn't get an F1 seat? Well, Drogovic hasn't had an F1 chance at all. No, but how can how can he like prove himself if he doesn't get the F1 seat? Like, well, you can say the same about Drogovic, can't you? No, no, but how can he prove himself again if you if like he can't he get? He can't. He can't. Right. So that's a neither can any F1 driver who's not got an F1 seat, any any racing driver. Sorry. Yeah. So if you've if you've seen what he can do as a one-off, like. Does he not deserve 
to then be able yeah, to... Yeah, I'm saying I'm I'm, I'm he deserved he deserved a seat. They both deserved a seat. Djokovic but, just deserves it a tiny bit more than me. Literally a tiny bit. That's all we're talking about. But, like, you're saying he doesn't deserve the seat. Like, fundamentally, no, I, he, saying Djokovic... he deserves the seat. Djokovic no, no, deserves only, it only slightly more. Can, like, yeah. So, like, fundamentally, he doesn't deserve to have the seat because Djokovic does. Like, I know Nick you think he's very close. Nick but... De deserves to be in F1 next year. Felipe Djokovic also deserves to be in F1 yeah. next year. But you're saying, like, the remaining seat, he can't... Like, you don't think he should get because you think another driver should get it. Like, fundamentally, that's what you're saying. For that, yeah. If I was Alpha Tower team, but yeah, I would choose Djokovic, yes. That's yeah. What I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, so then, like, De Vries doesn't get that chance to repeat it. But I feel like he does, okay. having shown what he can do, like, if you're an F1 team and you see that, that's what I would buy into. Because most so of why what don't you think is... winning the F2 Championship by a mile with four races left deserves the seat instead? I mean, De Vries won it by a mile as well, didn't he? But not as impressively as Djokovic. But he, he still won it. Impressively, he still won it with time left on the calendar. So, do you think at the end of 2019, did you think that he should be in F1 the next year? Yes. Did you honestly think that that he should be in F1 at the time? Um, I didn't really think about it at all because there wasn't a chance that he could. Okay. Like it wasn't. It just wasn't really on the table. There was one driver who stepped up, and that was kind of a done deal. Well, this is the same with Djokovic. It's not really on the table now, is it? But like we're talking about whether it has it been. Have... It has been. Oh, earlier no, because where was he going to go? Where where was he honestly going to go? Alpha Tauri. That when I when I said that, I was just hoping in a way. Well, then he got signed up as Aston Martin development driver, and as soon as that happened, it was pretty much. Just little to no chance that he's going to be an F1, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it, it was the indicator. I just, yeah. I think if you're, if you're an F1 team and you see what they can do, you can see them perform under pressure on a race weekend, then that just stands out so much more than anything anyone else has done. So mm. the, so I think that has, that will have tipped the scales. I mean, before I, I did think he needed momentum. He didn't seem to have any kind of momentum behind him at, even the summer break. So, but he, you know, he got a chance, fortunately. Um, unfortunately, Albon couldn't race and he got that chance. So luckily for him and he made the most of it. And that's that's the performances that you're looking for most of all, if you're Alpha Tauri. Well, I've, I've, they've I've, not I've, scored I've, points. Like they've, they've not, they've not scored points regularly for most of the season they haven't had two drivers scoring points regularly for yeah that's because of the car. I can remember that's because well, the well this the car was has been strong bar this season the car has been strong the last few seasons and they've still not been able to put it together and get two like consistently scoring drivers yes yeah that's right yeah so if you're Alpha Tari you need people to score points and the fact that De Vries did that coming in on is F1 debut, I think he showed everything he needed to. I think Alpha Tower is more about that stepping stone to Red Bull and who's got the most potential and what can we do with that driver to kind of train them up and get them ready for a big seat. I think that's for Alpha Tower, that's for them, that's more important than scoring, or for like Red Bull as a whole, that's more important than scoring points, I think. Yeah, true. But you're looking at a, there's, there's almost a ceiling because Verstappen's the guy. Like, you're looking for a number two driver 
which is I feel like it slightly makes the whole thing redundant, really. If you've got like it's done its job too well, that it's got the staff in age like 18, 17, and he can just do that. He can do that job now for like over a decade to come. Yeah. And so now they've almost made themselves redundant because there's not that need for the next star. So, you know, it'll be it'll be who can go in that second team. I've got a question for you. Are you surprised Mercedes let De Vries go so easily, I guess? Because I was a little bit. Not really. Not really. Okay. I, I just, like, I didn't see what their end game was with him. Hmm. Like, it was very clearly Russell was the top dog. And then... They just they didn't seem to have like a clear development plan for De Vries. Mm. There was a big fuss over Albon, though, wasn't it? When the opposite, when he was going from mm. essentially Red Bull uh, to Williams, which is has you know, Mercedes influence, let's say, for this season. So I thought it could be a similar thing, but the opposite way uh, with Mercedes yeah, not I... wanting to let just for that almost ego kind of side, you know, to not let Red Bull have one of their drivers in a way. Yeah. Yeah, it could spectacularly backfire on them. I don't think it will, but it could. They will be left a leg on their face if De Vries has, you know, pulled off a, a miracle. But um, and, and this is the thing. He, he has got that chance now. If he does outperform Sonoda quite comfortably, if he absolutely dominates him, he could be in that red ball seat in two or three years. And what a turnaround that would be. Yeah, it's... It, I mean, that would be spectacular. And... As I say, that would kind of be Mercedes left with egg on their face. But there's only there's only like so much you can do if you've not if you've not got like a true desire to get him in an F1 seat, um, then well, you know, kind of again, like have that development path, then I'm just not really like I'm not really sure like what they could do to like either force him to stay or persuade him to stay. And if they do, then that just gives them, they are forcing him to stay. That just gives them a really bad look for other drivers where, you know, if you're a F3 driver who's on the phone to Mercedes and they're, or an F4 driver on the phone to Mercedes and they're, you see how they're treating De Vries when he's got the chance to step up into F1 with a different team. Like when Mercedes have given him a comparative lack of interest, then that would just count against them in the long run, I think. So yeah, I just don't think it was worth that. And again, with Albon, like, it's not... Again, like, Red Bull didn't have that long-term plan for him. After after he was out of the seat, then, you know, Red Bull didn't have that desire to put him back in the seat, I don't think. I mean, we saw with Gasly, everything Gasly did after the seat, then... Uh, sorry, after he was out of Red Bull, and they still... It was never a serious conversation to get him back there. So, if, again, like... If you're Albon, I think you're seeing that and see the writing on the wall. And I don't think Red Bull could have a left leg to stand on there, or I don't see why people would criticise like them for letting him go. Do you think the is going to do well? How how is he going to fare against Sonoda? Because I think it's a fascinating lineup in a way because I still rate Sonoda pretty highly, even though the last eighteen months he hasn't quite been able to show that. And uh, in a way, it is a make or well no matter who he was going to be, be against, it was always going to be a make or break for him. And with Gasly leaving, will Sonoda be expected to always lead the team in the way? And then if he does get beat by the Vries, that'll pretty much end his F1 career. So I think it's a fascinating lineup for AlphaTauri next year. 
Yeah, I think... I mean, when we're talking about Drogovic and um, De Vries, then I was thinking they could both be in the team next year. I don't think it's that far off happening, to be honest. Like, if... If Sinoda had, hadn't signed a contract, you mean? Uh, sorry, the year after next. Like, oh, the year I, after. I, I feel like, again, if Sonoda doesn't perform, like you said, it's, you know, there's going to be... It's going to be pretty tough to hold on to that seat. He might be saved by Honda returning with those hooks going on. We don't know. That might be a saving grace. But outside of that, it's. I think it would be quite Larry. I think he does need to outperform De Vries. But there's that incentive there that having, as you know, as long as De Vries isn't, you know, really, really just performed, you know, catastrophically below the level of the car, there's the incentive for Sonoda because if he can take it to De Vries, if he can outperform De Vries, then it will put him in a lot better stock. So yeah. I think the incentive's there that it's not just like beating up on Latifi or Kubica, then, you know, it, it's there for Sonoda to take. But I, I agree. I think it'll be a fascinating battle. I think De Vries can take it to Sonoda. I think it'll be close. And then, you know, it can, it seemed like that, it can just be, you know, whoever gets the, who gets kind of the, the look of the draw in, you know, like Kvyat and Albon at uh, Hockenheim, you know, something like that can yeah. really swing the pendulum. But I think it will be close. And then it's just kind of down to either who, who executes or who gets that bit of a slice yeah. of luck. Uh, and I think my last point on this, for, for De Vries, in a way, he's going into it with a lot less to lose. Because I don't think in his heart of hearts he thought he would get this chance in F1, given that he didn't get it two or three years ago when he won the 2019 championship and he's 27 years old now there's not many F1 drivers usually in this new era where we're kind of in where you have to be super young to get into F1 there's not many 27 year olds who jump into F1 yes it was more common 15-20 years ago but things have changed now so in a way he's got a lot less to lose he can drive a bit more kind of without with less pressure certainly I think uh and that could help him. So I think it will be a close fight. I think Sonoda will have the upper hand. Uh, but equally, I think De Vries will impress at times as well. I'm just not sure. I think he's got some mistakes in him. I think that's my... Well, so does Sonoda as well. well he, he, can, he can iron those out. But I think De Vries could be of similar similar nature, I think. Yeah, I, I agree on that point. I do think there are, there are mistakes there and... I think on on maybe the flip side, like it's not obviously Sonoda's got the experience going into the season, but it's a long cold season now. Like there's plenty of time, even if you're down in the first leg, like you know, there's plenty of time to come back. First leg, like a four by one hundred meter relay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then oh, who was it in um No, I don't I don't know British I don't know English runners fastness. There's a great Commonwealth games um four by four hundred meter race i think it was this, the men's, this year yeah it was the men's um like england were leading by a turn going into the third leg. oh yeah 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 and then i can't remember who it was um i think it was one of the caribbean teams just like <laughs> just like pulled it back really quickly um we're getting off topic but yeah it, point being even if you're behind you know after the after the first chunk of the season then there's still plenty of time to re-establish yourself and get up there so it's not that experience um, versus rookie factor isn't as much as it would, would have been in 10 years ago, 15 years ago. 
although you don't have testing now, you could argue. Whereas no, true. You would have had testing every week when you're not racing. So. The Australian Grand Prix is testing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think both of them are I think both of them are good highs. I think the Gasly the Gasly one is the best bit of business out of the two, I think. Like, you know, even though I've for, argued, for who? For Alpine or for Alpha Tarby? Well, I think like Alpine to sorry, Gasly to Alpine is a better move than De Vries to Alpha Tauri. Oh. Um, because again, like although I've been against Drugrich, like the, the standard of other drivers that were around for Alpine, I think they got like considerably the best one. Um, whereas you know, there was a bit more competition for the Alpha Tari seat, I think. Yeah, that's not something I thought about. Yeah, I think I'm gonna agree with you on that. I'm confused one. again. I, no, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. <laughs> okay, I'm confused. No, I get what you're saying, but I mean, the two completely different teams, aren't they? So I think they got nearly the best of well, Alpine got the best of what they could. Alpha Tauri, it's, it's a toss of a coin between Drukovic right. and Vries, really. So, yeah, well, there we go. Anything else you want to add? Well, in general, my life, or no, just, on these uh, two drives, very specifically, oh, right. these two. Uh, no, <laughs> thank you, Adam Dickinson. There's no nothing I want to add. Right Actually, now. Oh, go on. going back to Gasly, do you reckon it will flare up between him and Ocon? Because I, I can see it. Like, I really... Like, Alpine isn't the most quiet team some of the time, and Ocon and Ocon's not kind of the, the quietest driver either. Yeah, I think there could be problems. I think Alpine in general, they have really been showing up in the management team this year with... Uh, forgive me, I've forgotten the names. So, Omar Saf now, obviously, he's the one who talks to the media and... The, press that kind of thing but we've not seen the other I've completely forgotten the names sorry we've not seen the CEO I can see his face I can't remember his name he's in the room he's in Northern Ireland with Nigel Lauren Lauren Rossi we've not seen we've not seen enough of that or enough of him about you know the Piastri Alonso situation Uh, I think yeah, I think Alpine, there are going to be internal problems. And I think that could flare up into their drivers as well. And ultimately, if they're close on track, all, all it takes is one strategy call that someone doesn't like for something to start and flare up. Or even at the start of a race, if there's a bit of a block somewhere, just like we saw with Ocon on Alonso at Hungary this year, it doesn't feel like a very stable team. As competitive as they have been, the kind of structure of it from the management, from the top to the bottom, it it does not much going for it. I, I think they can have the car. I think they've got some fantastic engineers. They can build a brilliant car for the next few seasons, but the management and then that the going down to the drivers, I think there could be some problems, yeah. And for De Vries, do you think it's the best situation that he could have gone into? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think he's up against uh, a driver I think he feels he can beat. It's not like he's being parachuted into... Well, I said, he can probably he probably feels he can beat half the grid, so... That's I think you have to in that position. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think, yeah, I think, like, like, like I said, he, he's going to go in with a lot less pressure than Sonoda, and that is a big factor 
in itself. He can drive a bit more freely in that sense. So, so yeah, it's almost a perfect situation for him. And then with Perez getting a bit older at Red Bull, if, if like I said, if, if he can perform, he could find himself in Perez's seat in two or three years. So there's a clear pathway for him if he can deliver. And there's a chance he can. There's a chance. I don't think it will happen, but there's that chance there. Yeah, I think the concern for the only concern, I agree, I think it's the best kind of place you could have gone into. The only concern is like AlphaTauri haven't made a step forward. Like they they were there in 2020. They kind of held that level in 2021 or maybe kind of slipped a bit backwards, but were still there or thereabouts. This season they've taken a step back. So it's like there's not been that accession really for a few years and it's like whether they can get that momentum going again but it goes back to what I was saying before about getting points doesn't really matter for Alphatari for the drivers if you beat your teammate there's a Red Bull seat possibly there waiting for you it really doesn't matter if you're beating your or out qualifying out racing your teammate nearly every single weekend it doesn't matter if you do that and you finish at 12th or 5th obviously yeah. it looks better from the outside if you're 5th but inside a team will know and we as, I guess, hardcore yeah. fans, we will recognise that, you know, uh, the reason beating him to know my three temps most weekends, he's got better tyre management, better race pace, even though he's finished 12th, 13th. We will see that, and Red Bull will see that, so it doesn't really matter that where, where the car is, really. It doesn't matter if it's ninth or fifth fastest. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, moving on to the race that Pierre Gasly will be competing in this weekend, the US Grand Prix, live from Ashton, Texas. Then in the evening, it's uh, it's what, like a... Is it 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. start? Yeah, 11 p.m. qualifying, 8 p.m. for the race on Sunday. We'll have an exclusive on Sky Sports F1, who signed a new contract to host F1 to be the F1 broadcaster until 2029. So there's our chance of hosting F1 gone for another seven years, Adam. I mean, like, as the host, I reckon we'll be there. I reckon we'll be there for, in seven years' time. But um, maybe oh, Red Bull can win the track cycling and something. <laughs> Red Bull can win the constructors' championship this weekend. Ferrari need to outscore them by nineteen points yeah. to stop that. Do you reckon it's going to happen? Do I reckon what's going to happen? Uh, <laughs> Ferrari will outscore Red Bull by nineteen points or more. Uh, no, I do not think that will happen. No, I neither think... do I. I think Red Bull... I mean, how many times has that happened this year? I mean, that, that's the thing. Once or twice, maybe? I'm just yeah. going off the top of my head. So, like, looking at probability, maths... Bahrain, uh, yeah. So, it's... Yeah, well, Bahrain, yeah, definitely, because you've got a 1-2 Ferrari in Red Bull DNF. But, yeah. So, so yeah, it's unlikely. I think Red Bull will clinch the constructors as whether if they win the race or not. I think this weekend, I think we could see some engine penalties. I've got a feeling, even though we've seen loads already and you might think, oh, there's only four races left, why would you take a new engine? I've got a weird feeling one of Sainz, Perez, Verstappen or Leclerc is going to take a grid penalty and try and fight their way through the from below the grid or below what word below where they're usually starting uh, and try and come through the field, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Why? I, I can see Ferrari doing it. If you're a Red Bull, why would you... Uh, I think that extra performance that a new engine gives. I think we've seen over the last couple of years, 
and putting a new engine in the car for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just because the teams were holding back or they were a bit conservative for the previous seven years when we've had the turbo hybrid uh, power units. But it does seem you gain a lot of time from sticking a new engine in the car. I mean, look at Hamilton in Brazil last year. Look at Verstappen at Spa this year. So, and I think Kota's a track you can overtake on. Tire wear is a factor as well. So you've got that strategy element to make overtakes a, a bit easier because you can use the tire wear kind of game. So I think if you're Verstappen or Leclerc, if you're if you if you're starting seventh or eighth or six, you you would feel you can still win the race. I think if you feel that your car is good enough to get a good start, avoid any incidents on the first lap. Of course, that, that is the only kind of problem. But then if you feel your car has got good tire wear, like the Red Bull, and has has the race pace, I feel like it's an option that's worth taking. And then of course you'll have an even fresher engine for Mexico, Brazil, and the final race in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I guess I think it makes sense. It's just like if you're Red Bull, like, do you go the extra effort? I guess it's the only yeah. thing. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, the the win record is still there, is it? I've lost track. Of yeah, the, the wins, yeah. The, yeah, so we need, he's on 12 wins now, Verstappen. He, the record's 13, so we need two more to break it. Uh, so that is. Yeah, the only record because the podiums he can equal for the most podiums, which is his own from last year, and obviously the most consecutive wins that's gone now. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. yeah, I think I can see Ferrari doing it and just trying to, like, you know, really make a statement at the end of the championship. Maybe Red Bull will too to stop that, but yeah, it's just, yeah, maybe whether it's like more complication than is necessary we shall see but freddie freddie had a point didn't he freddie had a yeah freddie freddie had some words oh, um, i think we should we should bring i up. like Kota. tina won the most underrated 2020 oh, i need to i'll hold this up and then at least i'm doing the um Tina won the most un- underrated 2021 races i think could be very interesting because the resurfacing at that start of the year was very bumpy in recent visits could have a completely different feel to it and might favor a more smooth car who knows? Interested to see what Aston Martin can do because that's shaping into a car for all seasons. And with weather set fair, maybe they'll be able to get into the mix and beat Alfred Romeo in the constructors. Nearly said Alfred Harry there. Overall, very interested in the reaction to the 2022 packing order on the new track. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think the bumps will play a part as well. They've resurfaced it, like Freddie says, so it could be different. Uh, and yeah, last year was a great race. It was a proper, I, I remember talking about it afterwards. It was a proper old school kind of strategic top two drivers in the world, best two teams, equal cars, equal pace. It was an absolute stunt fest. And yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely right. One of the best races of 2021. Very quickly, what's your top three prediction? Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez. I'm going for Sapham, Paris, Sainz. But that is everything. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you for the Cota Review podcast next week. So enjoy the race. Don't stay up too late. But until then, goodbye. Wait. No. I thought we didn't carry that over the rest. Pardon? Nothing. As I said, thank God we didn't carry that over the rest of the year. You say nothing just like makes it more suspicious.
Yeah, I know I'm not so I'm very open to the world. I'm like a Tesco extra. Only close on Sundays from and well, actually they're closing overnight as well. I'm like a tube line when it's not on strike.